Hello, beautiful. I'm your host, Samantha Roberto, and I want to thank you for joining this conversation. We are a space of women empowering women, and each week we feature an empowered woman's vulnerable story because we believe it's important to have these conversations so that we can learn and grow from one another. So go hit that subscribe button to get your weekly dose of inspiration. So before we dive into this week's episode, this week's review feature is from the Healthy Curly Blonde, and she says, amazing podcast for life transitions. Sam is one of the best podcast hosts I've ever heard. She brings so much value to every podcast with a variety of guests, and I love each of her episodes. Thank you, Healthy Curly Blonde. I appreciate your review. And for anybody listening to the podcast, if you love this platform, let us know what you love about it. Go leave a review for your chance to be featured in next week's episode. And speaking of life transitions, if you feel like you are going through a transition, especially now with the coronavirus and with COVID, I feel like there's so much that is up in the air and this entire situation has brought what is going on deep down within all of us really to the surface. If you feel like you're in a transition and you just don't know the direction that you want to take, now is the perfect time to do the deep earner work and reflect on what it is that you really want, what really is in alignment. So as a gift to your loyalty to the podcast, I will be offering the first three people to screenshot this episode, put in their stories, and tell us what you love about the podcast. You will get a free one-to-one hour coaching call where I will personally help you navigate the emotions that are coming up and help give you more clarity through this seemingly uncertain time. So put it in your stories. Remember to tag the Hello Beautiful podcast. And if you're one of the first three people, we will get back to you and get that booked. Thank you again for your loyalty. I so appreciate all of your support. And I'm excited to keep bringing empowered women's vulnerable stories to you because I've just been getting so much positive feedback from all of you guys. And I'm excited to see where this channel goes and grows too. Anyways, speaking of incredible women, this week's guest is phenomenal. You guys are going to love her. She is from my mastermind and her story I feel is so relatable and I bet you it's going to bring stuff up from your past that you didn't even realize was still lingering there that you hadn't dealt with. So Samantha Kazuch is a social media expert and online business coach. She has been an entrepreneur for over 10 years and has built multiple six-figure businesses, including a video production company, a personal brand, as a fitness influencer, and doing online courses and masterminds and really, really crushing it in the online world. So she helps overwhelmed entrepreneurs and business owners step into social media and learn how to create and launch profitable offers within that space. So she's up to some pretty cool things. But what I really love about this episode is that we're going to go back a decade and look at the steps that Sam took to get to where she is today. And funny enough, she accounts one of the worst experiences in her life. And you guys, the story is pretty crazy. 
to catapulting her in the direction that she needed to go. So we talk about how your intuition is always speaking to you. And when you ignore it, you're going to end up down a crazy path that is going to give you some pretty serious wake-up calls. How tools such as the law of attraction and her manuscripting method changed her life and really gave her the courage to go after the things that she wanted deep, deep, deep down inside. And then also how to overcome shame, the little secrets that are lingering deep, deep, deep within and the power that they may hold to take you to your next level and the importance of sharing your story, not for yourself, but for other people who you may be able to help. So there are so many amazing takeaways in this episode. So on this note, let's get to it. before you stepped into this role. So can you take us back to Sam, pre-social media queen? We're going to go back almost a decade, actually, because where I am today, there has been a lot of life experiences, a lot of pivots, a lot of growth, a lot of changes. But to really paint the picture of how I got to where I am today, um, and especially in a world where a lot of success is pictured as overnight success. And in fact, it's so far from it. And especially if you've ever became very successful and made a lot of money in business, it really just doesn't happen overnight. And I really want to paint this picture of like, I got to where I am today with a lot of hard work, taking a lot of chances, risks and everything. So got to go back all the way to my college days of, I was in college for med school or pre-med. So my goal was to eventually go to med school, be a doctor. And when I was in school, I started learning more about myself. You know, I'm in my late teens, about to hit 20, 21-ish. And there I was learning more about myself and my body and my health. I came from a background of being an athlete my entire life. And when I got to college, I decided, turned down all the scholarships. I'm like, I do not want my life to be just, you know, basketball track in school. Like that was literally since I could basically walk. That's all I did was school, sports, that's it. And so I wanted a life in college. So during that time, I really had to learn from my own, like how to take care of my health, you know, not gain the freshman 15. And I turned to, you know, fitness magazines and online fitness blogs. And back then there was no Instagram. There was basically only MySpace. Facebook came a little bit, but that was really just for college students connecting. It wasn't even what it is today. So I really had to fend for my own to like learn how to go to the gym, how to work out, really do this, all that stuff without a coach. And meanwhile, I'm learning about my health, but I'm also in college for going, going to med school and in, in school I'm learning, you know, health is all taken care of by doctors that prescribe medications. And a lot of it, it's like, they don't prescribe the healthy lifestyle. So I'm now in turmoil with myself. I'm like, I'm going to school for this, but I'm learning. You can prevent a lot of illness and sickness and disease just by having good health. And while yes, we do need doctors and hospitals and all of that, but I was finding myself not in alignment with any of it. So at the same time, going to school, I also had to make money. So I had a job, you know, and parents did fund me a little bit, but any extra money that I wanted, it was up to me to make. So I had three jobs at the time. I I was working in a student bookstore. Um, So that was the more corporate environment of being told my hours when I could work, when I couldn't work or when I could take, you know, days off. Then I was working also in a bar, college bar, which was amazing, awesome money, you know, fun hours. You know, I was also, you know, underage at the time, like under 21. So I was in the scene of being in college and being able to go to the bars, 
but I wasn't 21 yet. So that was the fun lifestyle, making really good money. Then also I got into uh, modeling and acting and promotional work because during my life entire growing up, I'm tall, I'm 5'10". So everyone was always saying, you should be a model, you should be a model. My parents were like, absolutely not. Like you're playing sports and going to school. That's it. They were very strict with that. So when I got to college, I was like, okay, I can reinvent myself and be whoever I want to be. Uh, so I was also doing all of that. So when I got to the point of about to be graduating, I really had this internal feeling of, Sam, don't go to med school. Like this isn't for you. This isn't the life that you want to do. But at the same time, my parents are like, go to med school. That's what you do. I'm first generation. My parents are immigrants, like for them, for their daughter, first one actually going to even college period. Now, you know, supposed to be going to med school. They were so proud. So to go against your parents' wishes at that age was extremely hard. Like mm -hmm. that was devastating to them, hard for me. But I knew I was like, this wasn't the path that I was supposed to take. So that was my first um, experience of really following my gut and my intuition. I told my parents, I'm going to take a year off and figure it out. With that, it was the unspoken rule or kind of law of like, okay, you're not going to med school. Well, we're no longer going to support you financially. So mm -hmm. you need to figure it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so with that, um, that's when I really dove into my first taste of kind of that entrepreneurship. Because when I was in school, I had the, the corporate job of working in a bookstore, which I absolutely hated. My boss was a dick. Like he was just awful to all of us. Um, and then I had the other option of bartending, making really good money, you know, limited hours. And then when I was promotional modeling and doing modeling stuff, the pay rate was super high. I could choose whenever I wanted to work. Like I'd get the bookings, say yes or no to them. So I was like, Oh, I really like this. I was making really good money for like being a, you know, teenager, early twenties. I was like, I'm going to continue doing this. So my first year out of college, I, I started doing that. And that's when I really had to, I had this fire under my ass to not only prove to my parents, like, I'm going to be fine. I don't need med school to make it. Mm -hmm. um, so that really propelled me forward into entrepreneurship starting out. So from there, um, built up, that's when Instagram kind of came along. I started posting a lot of fitness stuff because that's what I was really into at the time. So I was teaching myself a lot of things and really built up a presence on social media. I would like to say like by accident, because there wasn't any influencers at the time. You had a mm -hmm. few people that were like doing well on Instagram, but it wasn't a thing at all. I was just really posting because I enjoyed it. It was fun. I had kind of reinvented myself from, from high school and it was just like really fun to like post my modeling pictures, my fitness stuff and all of that and really started growing um, my online brand presence without really knowing about it until a few years later where it really, I really started taking into account what people were saying to me as far as Sam, I want to know, like, how do you get your abs? Like, what is your workout? What is like, how do you do all of these things? And that's when I was like, oh, I could like create some programs or like write things out. Like I see these other girls kind of doing it in the magazines. I can kind of create a blog and Instagram didn't really have, didn't have the video con concept yet. So I started creating YouTube videos showing the workout. So I grew my YouTube presence and just kind of like all of that just kind of started snowballing with taking this one step right out of college and being like, I'm not going to go to med school. So that was kind of like the beginning of it all. It's so interesting just to be able to look back, 2020 vision, look back and to see how all the dots connect. And I can tell like with you, you are a high achiever. Like even looking at that, you are, mm -hmm. you know, okay, I'm not going to have my parents support, but I'm going to figure out, I'm going to do it. And that work ethic is something that you were probably taught. I wonder if you're taught that through sports because you said the sports, like you were very much into athletics. What was the, the, the number one thing that you learned on the basketball court that you would say has kept, that you have kept through life? It was always just determination and persistence because I think growing up, 
And without my parents probably even realizing what they were doing, like I was the firstborn, I was, you know, I, in their eyes, like I had to get straight A's, I had to be the perfect athlete, had to be the varsity athlete. So it was a lot of, not perfectionism, but in a sense it was, like I was always a very, like you said, great that you pointed that out, the high achiever status. So for me, it was just, I was doing practice, like outside of our regular team practice, I'd be practicing with my coach on like my free throws or anything like that. So for me, it was always just determination, persistence, practice, do things over and over. If I screw something up, I didn't get down on myself. I'm like, okay, well, shit, what do I need to do to like make this better the next time so I don't make this mistake again or, you know, what's going on? So I was very analytical of things and I always made sure I just put in that extra effort and practice to, right. to be better next time. Amazing. <laughs> I can see that. I can see it as a, as a thread as, you know, went through your path. You shared with me before that there was a catalyst moment that had shifted everything. Can you share the story of what happened when you were in second year university or third year university? Yeah, well, actually, this was probably two, three years after university. So oh, okay. this is at, at the time when I'd already graduated. I was doing well. My modeling and acting career and promo modeling, I was doing really well in that. At the same time, I'd launched a video production company because I was doing YouTube videos and people saw my online personality. So a lot of businesses were coming to me and saying, okay, I'm already doing spokes modeling and acting. And as I was going into studios, I would see how businesses had set themselves up. And I was like, okay, I could do this for myself. So I was making really good money in my 20s. And that was a recipe of like living a really good lifestyle. I was living in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is if anyone's been there before, it's like honestly like the, the mini Vegas in the desert. It's like a mix of LA, Vegas and the desert. So it was a lot of fun being in my 20s. And during the week, I would be working very hard. The weekends were for fun. We'd be going to the nightclubs, day clubs, pool parties. It's kind of what you did. And Scottsdale really really is, like you mentioned, it really is like LA. Like everybody dresses up. There's nice restaurants. Mm -hmm. There's amazing bars. Like it's just got this whole very high class, high end feel to it. I lived right in the heart of all of that. So I was very in the scene. I knew, you know, every nightclub, knew all the the security, the bartenders. We knew someone everywhere. Whenever me and my girlfriends would go out, we'd get front of the line access, get whatever tables we wanted, bottle service, et cetera. Like it was very, a, a lot of fun. Through this time, I was, it was almost like status quo in my world. Like nothing was a challenge anymore. Everything was really easy. And for someone listening, they might think, well, Sam, you were making really good money. Sounds like you were living the life. And I was, but at the same time, coming from someone that was no longer trying to achieve a goal, like my whole entire life, like I was an athlete, I was trying to win games. I was trying to get good grades. I was at a point now where, okay, money was the, you know, make more money. But at the same time, like that's, that wasn't a driving factor for me because it was too almost like too easy. So I knew that eventually something had to change in my world, but I was scared and I was nervous because I knew, okay, I'm living in Arizona. It's the same shit, different weekend, but I didn't know what to do next. I always knew I wanted to live in LA and California because I was traveling there a lot for, for modeling and acting. But I also at the same time saw a lot of my girlfriends move there. And within a month, two months, maybe six months tops, they'd be moving back to Arizona being like, it's so hard. Can't make it. I went broke. Like, it's just impossible to make it out there. So seeing a lot of my friends go through this circle, this cycle, it really kind of scared me. I'm like, oh, wow, if they can't make it, who am I to go out there? And for me, whenever I do anything, it's like, I want to win. Like it's kind of that, that ego that I had at that time is like, if I do something, I cannot fail. I will be very embarrassed and ashamed. Like I just couldn't do it. So I was really kind of struggling with all of this going on until one weekend, and this is kind of where it all happened, is I went out with some girlfriends. And right away within 
you know, about half an hour to an hour being in this bar. You know, we had been set up at a table, had drinks coming, you know, big group of us. It was, it was a lot of fun. I started not to feel very well. And this was rare for me at that time, like a couple of drinks in, I'll be fine. I was a professional drinker at that time. So I wasn't feeling well. And then quickly, I didn't start to feel well. And I knew internally, again, listening to intuition, I'm like, Sam, get out of here. I know you want to stay and have fun, but you don't feel good. Like just get out. So I went to the security guy that I knew that was my friend there at that bar back at the back door. I was like, Hey, I don't feel there. Like, I just need to go home. At this point, a lot of things are very fuzzy. I actually learned kind of what had happened through him telling me back the next day. So he ended up putting me in a cab and just put me in a cab. He saw that I was kind of drunk, but you know, he sees me like that every weekend. It wasn't very anything out of the ordinary or so he thought. Uh, so I get put in this cab and mind you guys, like my house is literally three or four minutes from this bar. Like it's literally right down the street. Um, pretty much could have kind of walked home if I really wanted to. And the next thing I know, I am waking up in jail, like probably like five or six hours early morning later. And that was freaking devastating. Um, and what had happened was just to kind of give you guys instead of what had happened is either someone had roofied me and just didn't get to the point of, you know, me going home with someone, God forbid. But what had happened is I got in this cab, I got to my house, I didn't have cash to pay for it. I refused to pay. And at this point, I was like blacked out. So I didn't even know what my actions were. And the cab driver had called the police because I refused to pay for a $5 cab ride. And the cops came, I didn't have the money on me, I'd left my credit card at the bar, like, because we always put our cards down to give the bartenders a tip at the end of the night. And I just didn't have it. And I don't know what my mental state was because I could have easily just walked inside my house, just like sat there on the curb and, and cops came, they arrested me because they just saw in their eyes, oh, it's another drunk girl. Let's teach her a lesson. At that time, it was just, wasn't even anything that crossed my mind where, oh, I should have asked for a test or something like that. Like I was just full out, just gone. Like didn't even know what was happening. Waking up with that was the most shameful night, day of my life. The only person I could call was my dad. And just imagine right then having to call my parents in that state, like where just for a few years prior, like wasn't going to med school. I was making really good money. I wasn't married. And that was another thing too, for them, like I was single, having fun to them. My lifestyle was very like, what are you doing with your life? This isn't, you know, the way that you're supposed to do life, you know? So I was very against the grain of all of it. And he picked me up. And then at that point, I was so ashamed. I didn't even tell my friends that were there at the club that night what had happened to me. I was that ashamed. Like literally only my family knew. The the security guy at the bar knew because, you know, I had to call him the next day and be like, what the hell happened? And that was kind of it. And I was very ashamed of it for many years because this is something that, you know, your perfectionist A plus varsity athlete student, you know, just doesn't happen to. At the same time, that is when I had my realization of, wow, I was like, you need to get your shit together and figure it out because that was the best case scenario for what had happened that night. That was like the best thing that could have happened to me Mm -hmm. because it could have been a lot more worse. It was really like that wake up call for me. Wow. So that for you waking up in jail, like that's really like to paint that picture, like you said, overachiever being on top and then waking up in jail. It's like that was a a heavy fall. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Were you able to process your emotions and sort of deal with that? Or was it, did you have to push it down just for like survival to get through? 
Yeah, I think I did. It was just a shock. And I think at that point in my life, I didn't have the tools that I have today to work through things. Like I hadn't worked on anything as far as mindset or limiting beliefs or anything like that. Like I was, I was just too young at that point and no one was really doing it in the online space like they are today. So I just wasn't aware, but it was tough because, you know, my family was disappointed in me and they made it very obvious Mm -hmm. that they were, and I don't blame them. I just don't think they just knew how to react Mm -hmm. themselves. And I, probably for like a good week or so, it was just like, cause I had my own apartment. So I just like sat in my apartment. I think I just acted as if nothing had happened. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was just that that deep rooted feeling inside where you're like, that's so embarrassing. And it was almost like, oh my God, who knows? Who saw me that night? Did they see anything? Did they know anything? Who knows about it? Like, it was kind of like that one of those situations. And like I said, like, I didn't tell anybody, even my bestest friends that were there, they don't know that this even happened. For many years, I didn't tell anybody. What I love about you bringing this up is that I feel like all of us, have had that moment, maybe not to that extreme of waking up in jail, but in those years of like late teens, early 20s, like it's happened to all of us. If you've gone out partying, if you've gone out drinking, where all of a sudden you've done something and this immense guilt that you feel in your stomach and you push it down, you sort of hide under the covers and just want the world to stop, right? And that guilt going through that, I feel like it's very relatable yet. Like even Mm. for me, like when you shared that story with me the first time, all of a sudden it brought something up that I hadn't dealt with like way back when. And I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that this was kind of still there like the shame that we feel we just kind of push down yeah and with that it was just one of those pivoting moments in my life where I wasn't trying to run away I just knew at that point something needed to change in my life and during this time as well I had started kind of reading the secret and I watched the secret which was kind of my first introduction into like law of attraction and the power of the mind and everything and it was insane with the timing of it all and the power of it But at that point, I was like, okay, I know I need to get out of this funk. And that really helped me from the beginning. And then I was like, all right, take charge of your life. Take charge of what you want. And I was always like, I want to move to California. I want to live back on the beach. I want to be there. And I just didn't know how I was going to do it. So the first thing that I did was I called uh, one of my best girlfriends. I only knew two people in LA at the time. And one of them was one of my girlfriends that was actually also one of my agents out. And so I was always traveling to California all the time. It's like, hey, I'm thinking about just moving out to LA for like 30 days, for a month. I'll rent an Airbnb. I'll come out there. I'll test it out, see if I like it. And she was like, Sam, you're in love it out here. Just move. Just make the move. Just do it. Just get out here. And it was that conversation where I'm like, you're right. I already know I'm going to love it. Like, I, I love it. I want to stay there longer every time that I'm out there. So I decided, okay, I'm going to just pack up my apartment, start selling things, get my apartment released, and just kind of figure it out. So just imagine, you know, with even within my family of like, this had just happened, I just got arrested. And now all of a sudden, Sam's picking up her shit and moving to LA and figuring it out like my parents were just like losing their shit at this point. They're just like, what is going on? Uh, But I knew internally, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I created a vision board. I wrote out exactly what I wanted. I knew that I wanted to live maybe like Santa Monica or like... Yeah, that was kind of it. And then I just put pictures of like what I wanted and everything like that for my life out here. So slowly I started making the moves. I started driving out to California, looking for a place. It was really hard. It took me about three months to find a place. And what's crazy is, so I created this vision board and on it, I had the big Santa Monica Ferris wheel, but I also had the Hollywood sign and a couple other things as well. So for about three months, I was looking for places in Santa Monica, wasn't finding anything. But then one of my girlfriends was like, you know what? She lived in Hollywood. She's like, I know you don't want to live in Hollywood, 
but why don't we just go out just one day? It's our last day out here. Let's just go out and see what's available. So we went to three places out in Hollywood and I was just very like, don't want to live in Hollywood, but okay, I'll just go with you. Like appease you. Let's just do it. And the first unit that we walked into was a gorgeous two bedroom apartment. And then I walked into like the master bedroom of it and I opened up the curtains and it was literally the big Hollywood side right, right in front of my face. And I'm like, holy shit. And I didn't put everything together until I moved and I pulled out my vision board, put it up in my office because I wanted a two bedroom for one of them for my office for my video production company. And I was like, oh my God, this is insane. So from there, that's when I really like, I had almost like proof right there. Like, no wonder I wasn't finding the Santa Monica place. This is where I was meant to be. So from there, it really kickstormed me again to really go into that high achiever mode, like, okay, new city, new challenge, new two people, didn't know anyone else, didn't know how I was going to make money. I had my video production company, but at this point, I'm like, all right, I'm going to really get into the modeling and the acting and like go for that. And it completely changed the trajectory of my career because after that first year, like I did it, I made it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't even that it was hard. I'm not saying it was easy, but I made it. I was making money. I didn't have to crawl back to Arizona, but I, again, had this fire under my ass of like, okay, I'm moving out here. I don't want to fail. I don't want to move back home. And yeah, fast forward five years later, I'm now living out here in the marina on the water and life couldn't be better. I've built an incredible career, multiple six-figure businesses, and it's just been absolutely life-changing. And it all goes back to you know those key, you have these pivotal moments in your life that you come to a crossroads. And I truly believe that your intuition, you always know, you always know deep down inside, you always know. And the second you ignore your intuition, like I ignored my intuition for years and I know that's what led to me getting arrested because I was like, Sam, wake the fuck up. Like you need to get out of here. This isn't where you're meant to be. Like you have bigger and better things to be doing than making some good money and then partying on the weekends. Like that's not you. Whenever you get to that moment of that feeling, just listen to your gut. It could be the thing that is like, every, it's against what everyone wants mm -hmm. for you. It's against what everyone believes for you, but you have to take it because if you ignore it, you're going to go on this roller coaster journey of not going to say like bad things will happen to you, but you're going to learn some really hard life lessons, which yes, are powerful. But at the same time, if you're just like also listen to your intuition, you could have gotten to your place of destination a lot faster without all like, you know, the heartbreak, the stress and whatever. The roller coaster so. of up and down, yeah. the craziness of it all. Yeah. And there's something yeah. to be said about going all in. Like what I really hear with that is that when you were debating of making that move after you had this devastating thing happen, you were like going to try it out, maybe test it out. And then you just made a decision. And it was like, I'm going all in. I'm going to do this. I'm 100%. Not 99% in LA and 1% still back just in case. It's like there's no safety net. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. And I kind of attested that back to like just learning more going into the law of attraction stuff where it's like, you know, if you have one foot in, one foot out of something, it's never going to work out because you're not fully committed. And I've seen it just happen in so many instances where it's like, I knew it's like if I have a hesitation on something, it's almost like something bad happens because you weren't fully committed and it didn't work out for you. So really, I truly just believe in the all in because once you almost signal that out to the universe of like, I'm all in, I'm doing this, this is what I want. It's going to open up, the universe will listen and open up those doors. But if you're just like pussyfooting around in it, it's like, 
it's not going to know what to give you. You're giving mixed signals. Sometimes like it can be an overwhelming thing to navigate. Do you have a process or anything that you do to help like tune in to make it so it's crystal clear? Every single morning I do manuscripting. This is the manuscripting journal. It's a method that I created for myself throughout the years of what I've had to kind of go through and navigate and didn't really know what to turn to, but I used all the kind of laws and techniques of like law of attraction and manifestation. And I have this system of really just writing it down of what I wanted. And I also have a couple of days a week where I free write just completely, just kind of like, I just kind of like say to like, almost like my spirit guides to be like, whatever needs to come through today, just write it through. And it's kind of crazy when you just allow yourself to get to that place and what comes out, you truly just know. And I know now, like I really don't suffer from anxiety. I don't have any of those emotions where I'm feeling uneasy about things. But the second that I do, which is very rare, I always know I'm like, Oh, there's that feeling like, and it takes time to also tune into that feeling. Cause for many years, for a lot of us, we, we suppress intuition down so deep. Like we just cover it with so much stuff because, you know, we're listening to what our parents say, what our teachers say, what our coaches say, what our, you know, what, our friends say what society says we need to be doing. We really suppress that down. So to first even just start tapping into that intuition, that gut feeling, it takes practice by journaling it out and just kind of scripting it out what my wants and needs are, or like my desires are that really helps me kind of get in alignment with, with what I go for. And as you see things line up and you like, you realize like, wow, like the, the moment of pulling out your vision board and then seeing the Hollywood sign, it's like, that's an affirmation that okay, wait a second, this is working, you know? So the more that you do it, the more you surrender to that, the more affirmations you get. And it's actually a really cool thing. Yeah, it is so powerful. So powerful. So I'm curious with you going back to that moment of like waking up in jail and being like, oh my gosh, you know, the shame that was around that. As you moved to California and as you built yourself back up and did all that, did you notice that the remnants of that shame like kind of came up that you could process it years later? I didn't even process it until I want to say, honestly, like even just talking about it out loud for the first time wasn't until at the end of last year. And it was really interesting. I knew I'd always thought about it and it was always on my plate. So mind you guys, like when I got arrested, like this was, I forget what it was. It wasn't like on my record, but it was like, I had to get a lawyer. I had to pay lots of money to take care of that situation of not being on my record. But it was in Arizona law, like I was able to get it expunged, but it's still kind of there. So whenever I went and applied, like did a background check or even got my apartment and stuff like that, like I was always nervous and reminded like, oh shit, like this might pop up. I don't know. Like, I don't know who's going to find out about it. So it was always lingering in that sense, but I didn't still talk about it or really process it. I really did just kind of bury it and try to like really forget that it ever happened to me. And I didn't even talk about it out loud publicly at all, or even told my friends until actually the end of last year when I was speaking at a, a small conference and I was supposed to go on stage and talk about uh, social media marketing and how I got to where I am today. And something told me literally deep inside. And I was like, you need to share this story today on stage. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, from? I'm just like literally having this conversation with myself. But with your right intuition. Before going on. Yeah. We're just talking about yeah. listening to your intuition. So that is your intuition mm -hmm. telling you. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to get up there. Do it. I was already nervous and everything before going on stage. I'm always a little nervous speaking. Who isn't? But I ended up just saying my story for the first time ever publicly, like just kind of how I'm sharing it with you. And I've only done this maybe, that was the first time ever. So I've only said it a couple other times other than today even. 
And when I had said it out loud, the most powerful thing was afterwards, I had two women come to me and they're like, oh my God, like, thank you so much for sharing your story. The same thing kind of happened to me. And I haven't told anyone, like I was so ashamed and I've hidden this inside. And now I'm just piecing it together in my life, how it truly affected me and how like I, it made me do this, that like this conversation I had with just those two people alone was just incredible. And that's when I was like, holy shit, like I need to share this story because one, the more that I share it, the less power it has over me. Mm-hmm. And two, there's so many of us out there that really have something like that internally where, you know, we're ashamed of it. And we think it's like the worst, like that. And we shouldn't be ashamed of it. Like it's, it's usually such a crucial driver in the trajectory of your life and why things have changed in your life. And it's so powerful. And I feel the more often that we can share these stories of, you know, something just tragic happening to you or whatever that you're ashamed of, like, it's really going to help somebody else, like either open up about theirs or overcome theirs, when that could have been the thing that was suffocating them or like really bringing them down or holding them back from life, because it's just the power of of the sharing. So there's so much power in that in that moment. And now looking back all of these years later, how do you feel about that moment? Like, if you were to look back, do you feel gratitude maybe for for where it had led you because had that not happened I literally thank God for it because if it didn't happen I wonder if I would still be there like I feel like I would still be and doing the same things maybe not the same exact things like I'm now in my early 30s but you know just I thank God for that moment because if it wasn't for that I don't know what else could have happened or what it would have taken me to just have that wake-up call to like go and move and go for my dreams. Such a blessing in disguise. And here mm-hmm. you are yeah. all these years later now being able to help other women like use your story to share how you took the leap and to pursue their dreams and to go forward. So what would you recommend for someone who has a little voice inside of them that wants to get online, who wants to take the leap into the social media space or build an online business, but they have that fear and they don't really know and they're one foot in, one foot out. Do you have any pro tips? Yeah, I would first start thinking about it in a sense where I go back to even how I even shared my story for the first time publicly on stage and the two women coming to me and being like, oh my God, thank you. I would just think about it as like, you have this light within you to share. Don't be selfish with it because someone is waiting to hear it from you. Like someone is waiting. And I, no matter what you do, like you're going to impact at least one person. And that's how I feel about everything that I put out. If I put out this one post, if I put out this one video, if I put out this one thing, if that just helps one person, I've done my job. Mm. And that's all that I'm grateful for. I don't care about all the rest of it. Like I don't care about the getting millions of comments or millions of likes and millions of shares or whatever. That is not about that. I just want to help that one person. And if I get that comment and I get lots of them now where it's like, oh my God, Sam, thank you so much. Like you've helped me completely change my life or change my business or do this or do that. That's where I have the most gratitude for it. And that's what keeps me driving. That's literally why I'm even on social media. And it's why I've built my businesses because people keep coming to me and they tell me their testimonials, their stories and unsolicited too. They just share it with me. And that's literally what keeps me going. So what would be next? You've built up your businesses. You've got lots on the go. Do you see where you want to be in the next five years? Five years is hard because I feel like every year it's hasn't drastically changed. But if you asked me even five years ago to where I am today, I'm, it's, I'm speechless because I wouldn't have ever really guessed of where I'm at. 
I, I like to live in that like month by month, year by year mentality. I'm just consistently like just working in my business. I'm listening to my audience. That's the biggest thing. Like I really tailor everything that I do to my audience because I'm not the one that's like, Hey, I'm here. I'll read this, do this, whatever. I'm more just like, what do you guys need help with? Like, how can I help serve you? And I, I use that to fuel my business. But the one thing that I'm really excited about right now, and this is because of just kind of what's happened to me in my life over the last five, six, seven years. And that's the power of that law of attraction, manifestation, everything. And I came up with the manuscripting method, which is my journaling method of how I've really built up everything that I've achieved in my life today, honestly, due to this process. So I'm really excited about working on this project of creating the manuscripting journal, which is my first physical product, which I'm really excited about. So I think over this next year, like that's going to be along with still doing social media and online business coaching, everything, but my side project is I'm excited to bring this product to fruition and to help so many others out there achieve their goals and dreams throughout this process. Well, I'm excited for it to come out too. We're going to have to keep our eyes open for it when it's out. Anyways, Sam, yes. if anybody wants to reach out to you and get in contact with you, where is the best way to do that? Instagram is the best place. Uh, please send me a DM or comment. I, I do get lots of DMs, but I do get back to everyone because I, I just love connecting with everybody that listens and tunes in. There you have it. It. Don't you just love Samantha's energy? I feel like she is so positive and has such a bright outlook on life. And her story really highlights how sometimes the worst things in our life are the exact things that give us the kick in the butt that we need to really do the inner work and listen to our intuitions and recalibrate the direction that we're going. And to be honest, her story of waking up in jail, of going out, waking up the next day and like being like, oh my God, what happened? I feel like a lot of us can relate to in our late teens, early 20s, if you partied at all, You've had those mornings where you wake up and you're like, oh, what did I do? What did I say? Why did I do that? And this deep sense of guilt and shame that is kind of, you know, can be pushed down. Like Sam mentioned, she just sort of hid in her house for a little bit until it kind of blew over and then decided to, you know, use that and catapult herself with momentum into a new direction. But that said, you know, looking back, this could be a good reminder to maybe take some time and see if there are any unresolved things that are still sort of like lingering there. You know, we kind of push stuff down and then move on and eventually enough time passes where we think these situations or circumstances don't really bother us any anymore. But when we slow down enough and sit with it and give ourselves the time to sort of go there and think about it, you might realize that there still may be some clearing to do. So I really invite you to take this reflection of this episode as a gift to inquire and see if there's anything that you might want to let go of. So on this note, thank you again for tuning in. Remember to screenshot and tag the Hello Beautiful podcast in your stories and let us know your takeaways. We love to hear what you think. And next week, we'll have another inspiring story from an empowered woman. So make sure if you haven't already to go subscribe. And until then, keep being you be beautiful. Beautiful.